and welcome to the Stage Free Podcast. I'm April Angeletta, and I'm here with Mike Philly. Hi, everybody. Chuck Perryman. Hi, April. And two members of District 5 who will be playing on our next concert. Uh, Allison Lowell. Hello. She's their oboe player. And Josh Thompson. Hi. The horn player. So the concert they're performing is Concert 2.6. Good grief! Um, And that is on Thursday, June 20th at 7.30 p.m. at the Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams Furniture Store on 14th Street in D.C. And the program is, uh, they tell us it's a surprisingly upbeat and humorous take on the five stages of grief. Um, So, Mike, I know you had some questions prepared. I didn't, actually. But I wanted to start the conversation kind of introducing District 5. Um, You've been around for some time, and you've built a bit of a reputation in town, and you've got some cool stuff coming up next year at the Kennedy Center, I noticed. So maybe kind of take us through the history and what you're up to and... Sure. So the group started in 2013. Actually, this is kind of coming back to a home base for us. We started as the second fellowship woodwind quintet here at the University of Maryland. And just by chance, we were uh, musicians selected to play in this uh, graduate fellowship quintet. Uh, But we were incredibly lucky that all of us liked each other and got along. (laughs) And we were um, extremely lucky to be in a position where we could spend 20 hours a week rehearsing quintet music. So we thought, let's run with this. Let's see what we can do. Let's go nuts with programming and let's really try some crazy stuff. So from our very first concert in 2013, we've been uh, really trying to champion both new works and new transcriptions. Uh, the wooden quintet repertoire is a little bit lacking, perhaps, as compared to the string quartet repertoire, string trio. Um, and there's a lot of room. It's a great combination of instruments, but a lot of composers haven't taken on that challenge yet. So we thought, let's really explore this. And ever since then, we've every year we've tried to work with a lot of local composers. Uh, we've uh, been lucky to work. We In 2016, we had a uh, Chamber Music America commission to work with Avis Samotis uh, to write a new work for us, which was a really incredible experience. Um, let's see, in 2018, was it? Yes, <laughs> we uh, uh, released our first uh, album, which was a transcription, all, all original transcriptions done by uh, composer David Plyler, uh, specifically for us of the complete Chopin preludes. Um, so that was a really epic project (laughs) Um, and then uh, some kind of our upcoming projects that we're going to be doing a a presentation at the Kennedy Center as part of their new reach initiative which we're really excited to be part of Uh, we're doing a recording project this summer with DC composer Jessica Crash Uh, we've premiered a new work she wrote for us uh, just a couple months ago and now I'm gonna be recording it this summer and we're also going to be launching a project called Musical Postcards. And this is an international chamber music exchange between composers in South Africa and here in the United States with the Woodwind Quintet uh, based in uh, Durban, South Africa. Uh, kind of an exchange of pieces and collaboration between the composers and us. You said that the repertoire really isn't as well represented as the string quartet or something else like that. But when I think of the woodwind quintet, I think of it as sort of one of the staple ensembles. Do you have any idea why composers haven't really played with the ensemble as much as something more typical? Well, one thing that I I see as a problem is the instrument that I play, the horn, is kind of <laughs> difficult. A lot of the composers that do write um, 
really, really well for woodwind instruments are kind of at a loss when it comes to the horn. Um, but that's okay. Uh, a lot of woodwind, woodwind quintets um, do feature the horn in unique ways. Um, but it, it, it is a bit of a bear in trying to orchestrate um, five really distinct voices um, and making them sound harmonious and, and cohesive. Um, and, and that may be a bit of a struggle, I guess, from, from composers. You know, the, the good woodwind quintets are able to make, make really nice sounds um, with whatever we're given. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, I think that's a fun challenge, and it's always really rewarding in the end to be able to, to bring it to life. I think, um, at least me coming from a string player and choir background, I don't actually know what instruments are in a woodwind oh. quintet. And I think some of our patrons might not be familiar with it either. So could you talk a little bit about which ones? Absolutely. So there's the flute, um, is the highest voice, the oboe, clarinet, horn, and bassoon. So the four principal um, woodwind instruments in the orchestra setting, and then plus the horn, we get to play both as a brass and a woodwind instrument. And so since the repertoire is limited, what kinds of things do you guys look for when you're picking out pieces to play? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm. For me personally, I try to find pieces that aren't screaming like jig and sea shanty and things <laughs> of that nature because there's a lot of that. And if you want really good jigs and sea shanties, boy, come to the Woodwind Quintet Rap because we have so many of them. That seems so random. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Malcolm Arnold, three sea shanties. It is, it is a, a standard for everyone in Woodwood Quintet Rep. So, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people take some of the natural predispositions of the instruments, yeah. like bassoon is the clown of the orchestra. Oh. So there's a lot of very jaunty music mm. that's out there. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with jaunty. Jaunty is great, but you do want some variety. You don't just want jaunty music. So there, there's a lot of really great rep out there, sure. Um, But I think it's a challenge for any serious wooden quintet to really challenge themselves to to find those pieces. They're out there. There are amazing works out there. They're often really difficult. Um, So it takes a lot of time to really put into them. Uh, It's not, it's just, the works aren't as well known and easy to find as they are going to be for string quartet and things, but they're out there. And also, um, you know, Nobody knows these instruments better than the people who play them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also great to see when uh, quintet musicians or working with other composers can create new versions of pieces that are already out there, like piano rep, change it up for us, or orchestra rep, change it up for us, and explore fabulous music in a whole new way that hopefully those composers, original composers, would appreciate. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you were referring to as a transcription earlier? Yeah, I should clarify, yes. So transcription basically is taking uh, an original work that's out there and not like a literal arrangement of, oh, here's the right hand of the piano, so we're going to give that to the flute, but trying to recreate that work in a way that really honors the original piece, but also... Uh, takes into consideration the instrumentation that you have. So you want your listener to believe, wow, those Chopin preludes, Chopin really knew what he was doing writing for the horn. <laughs> like, that was great. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> so you say that the horn is one of the biggest problems that composers face when writing mm-hmm. for the ensemble. I think so, yeah. <laughs> says, yes. says the horn player. <laughs> yes. So how have, how have some of the composers that you've worked with in writing new pieces for the group or doing the transcriptions solved the problem of the horn? Right. So um, 
Working specific, I'll, I'll speak to my experience with working with um, Jessica Crash. Um, just having a really open dialogue and establishing just what the horn can do. And in the second movement of her uh, work that we, we premiered a few months ago, um, there's a really cool uh, horn, I guess, cadenza, you could call it, where I get to do everything from multiphonics to stopped horn to really loud, heroic sounds, um, just embodying everything, like all the caricatures of the horn, um, working with composers to capture that, and then also working with composers to realize that the horn can not only serve as um, a beautiful melodic voice, but it can serve, you know, as sometimes the bassoon doesn't need to be the bass voice all the time. The horn can be the bass voice. Um, in addition to that, you know, Horn, horn players like to play loud, and a lot of times in woodwind quintet, you're told, oh, please play, please play softer, please, just please <laughs> shut up. Um, but it, a lot of really good horn players and those that really like the woodwind quintet repertoire have abilities to, you know, take a lot of core out of our sound and um, working with working with composers to, you know, a lot, a lot of people just don't know that, that you there's a lot of ways to make the horn sound very different and you know like very able to easy to mimic um, the other voices in the group too so they're essentially able to compose the balance problems out of right. the ensemble exactly yeah 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 that's not always the pa to the umpa right, right. <laughs> exactly yes no upbeats <laughs> Uh, so we've been talking a little bit about transcriptions, and you have a number of transcriptions on the program that you're going to play for us yeah. on the 20th. Can you uh, sort of give us an overview of what that program is? Sure. So our program's called Good Grief. It's a, uh, basically looking, it's a new way to look at the five stages of grief through the vehicle of a woodwind quintet. Because why not? We were, <laughs> we were actually very inspired by the mission statement of the Stage Free Concerts. It's uh, This program came about because we really wanted to put together something that would not only be a challenge for us, but also was kind of a departure from the normal, let's you know select four or five pieces that we like. You know, let, We really thought, let's make this a very programmatic uh, experience. And we talk a lot about the pieces, why we chose them. And what's interesting about all of these pieces is that uh, not only musically are they, do they really fit the categories that they're in, but the backstories of uh, what was happening in these composers' lives at the time, mm. they're fascinating. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of that look between uh, work I'm thinking specifically, it's not a transcription, but uh, by Alexander Zemlinsky. He writes, uh, it's a piece that actually for us is in some ways feels like a departure because it's almost part of the standard quintet rep. It's his humoresque. And it's this very, you might dare say, jaunty at times <laughs> piece. It starts off with this very pleasant little bassoon solo. It's nice. It's a really, it's a short, really nice work. But when you know the backstory behind it, you're like, oh, that's a little dark. He had just uh, basically escaped Austria, you know, escaping the onset of World War II. He had a very, he worked really hard in Europe to um, have this successful career as a composer, as a conductor. He comes to the U.S. He's so far from the American dream. He is really struggling to be accepted. You know, he's been through so much in his personal life um, between Mahler and Schoenberg. 
And essentially, he writes these school pieces. They're so jaunty and happy. He's just doing it for money. He's desperate. He's This is like a terrible turn in his life. And he essentially dies in the U.S. very shortly after, unrecognized. And when you know this heart-wrenching story behind it, and then you get this like this pleasant little piece you're just like that's incredible that he could write this like he just shows you kind of like the resilience of composer of just got to make this happen yeah. and just, just amazing some of the transcriptions we do include one probably my favorite of the transcript I don't know, there's a lot of good transcriptions here um one of my favorites is one we do by uh Jeswaldo, which is a composer from a few hundred years ago and the reason we thought he'd be a perfect fit for the shock. We've just, we did divide our first part of uh, the first stage. We divided shock and denial into two parts. So a little bit looks like we have six stages, but it's really <laughs> it's still five. <laughs> but um, Jaswaldo was perfect for shock because if you've never heard his music, specifically looking at his uh, book six of madrigals, the harmonies in there, they're out there. Nobody was doing anything like this at the time, and nobody would do anything like this for hundreds, hundreds of years. Just, yeah. it's out there. And it's fabulous, but it's really out there. And uh, also shocking about Jeswaldo is that amongst many bizarre and weird things in his life, he's probably best known for the murder of his wife and her lover when he found them in a compromising situation. So okay. there you go. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> a little shocking. I'm shocked, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little, a little bit about the Ruth Crawford Seeger piece that's also under shock? So that is, um, it's the first movement of her uh, Woodwind Quintet, which was her second to last piece, I believe, she composed before her death. Um, so the first movement, uh, it starts off again with a, a bit of a jaunty, Bassoon line, bassoon of course, line, yeah. yeah. Jaunty bassoon line and very quickly turns to shock. Um, the woodwinds, I get to sit back and watch. Um, the woodwind <laughs> players in the group kind of go off the rails um, and collide to a screeching, I again, I would call it screeching, a screeching halt. Um, and we're back to a bit of a more um, jaunty, jaunty bit uh, to end off the first movement. But um, it, it, it definitely embodies the 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 shock I think of I can say the first time I heard this piece I like basically did a double take I'm just because it's going along and you really have this pegged for oh it's going to be something of a jaunty piece but as Josh said it, it just almost instantly is like this uncomfortable feeling of man something's really building here and then the woodwinds I would say like explode off the page yes you're just like Absolutely. what <laughs> it just goes crazy and as soon as it starts it's over and it's, I just remember hearing it for the first time being like, I haven't been shocked by a piece like that. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, after shock, we have denial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about denial, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Allison uh, spoke about the Zemlinski, you know, his terrible, terrible backstory. And it's quite lovely piece. Um, paired with the Zemlinski, we have two of our uh, Chopin preludes, um, which are just Quite lovely and happy and, and you know. so, well one of the backstories of the Chopin the 24 Chopin preludes I should say is that he wrote these pieces uh, essentially while on vac 
in, sense, in a sense, on vacation, trying to, but he comes down with tuberculosis. He's there with his girlfriend, the writer George Sand, who's mm-hmm. a rebel. She dresses in women's, sorry, in men's clothing. Like they're already scandalous in Paris. So they word gets out on the island they're on that he has tuberculosis. They're like, you have to go, you have to go stay in this abandoned monastery. We don't want you anywhere else near us. So that's great for tuberculosis. And so <laughs> he's there, and this is where he writes his 24 preludes. And the preludes are just incredible. They're every emotion. It, mm-hmm. it is it just, it runs the full gamut from, uh, you know, just the absolutely heart-wrenching, sad, and beautiful, and touching to kind of atmospheric almost. And then these, we felt, really represented the other end of the spectrum just happy and bouncy and Mm. just a perfect example of denial. And then after denial comes anger. Yes, and here we finally our bassoon, which has taken us through so many jaunty little starts, is now angry. What a wide range of emotions. He's very angry, yes. And that's the first movement of the Tomasi, five uh, uh, profane and sacred dances. And there's, you really see some edge to the, mm-hmm. to the quintet in this movement. It's just kind of edgy the it whole is, way through. Yeah. Um, the Chopin prelude we have paired with that is a brooding, dark, um, really long melodic lines, but it's something is afoot and someone is pissed off. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. Following that, we have uh, bargaining. And for that, we have uh, two interesting transcriptions. These are, uh, all of our transcriptions are, again, are by the composer who worked with David Plyler, who does just a really amazing job capturing uh, the best ability of what the wooden quintet can do. Uh, this one is uh, from the lyric pieces by Grieg uh, called Little Bird. And it's very short. You're not really sure. There's no specific program that I'm aware of that goes with this piece. One would think it has to do with a little bird. Um, but it really, I don't know, you're not really sure what, hap- what this bird is up to. It really, it's, it's unclear. And it's sort of, we leave it up to the audience to decide, was this bird successful? Has it met an unfortunate end? It's not really sure what it's doing. <laughs> but it's very compelling, I feel. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece we do, it's the longest one in the program, uh, which is <laughs> the second movement of the Faust Symphony by Liszt, <laughs> okay. which is Gretchen. Yeah. And this is based on, of course, the famous story of um, basically bargaining for one's soul. And this is just a really, it has, it features just absolutely gorgeous melody lines that are so lush and so beautiful, uh, but kind of overall this constant layer of tension that's going on in the backdrop of the original story. And that's really neat to have a transcription from an orchestra piece mm-hmm. and it reducing is. it down. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And actually, yeah. one of, I have to say, one of my favorite moments in the whole concert <laughs> takes place in this piece, and it's Josh's big horn solo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's <laughs> where I get to really embody the horn. Yeah. <laughs> we have that on record now, by the way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> and then in the fifth section of the program, mm-hmm. we have another one of the list transcriptions. Uh, is this the E minor number six? Is that that one? The, sh- the but, Chopin? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And then, this is interesting. So it's uh, Bach that was transcribed by Liszt that was then transcribed by Plyler. Yes, and it's a prelude on that theme. Yes. From, oh, I see. Yeah. From the second movement. It's such a great cantata, that. Yeah. Weinenklagen, Sorgenzagen. Weeping, lamenting, worrying, fearing. Yeah. This comes in uh, part five, depression. So <laughs> it, fitting. <laughs> fitting, I would say. <laughs> 
And then finally, acceptance. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so acceptance, we have here uh, um, a, a short transcription uh, by Bach, and this actually is one that we use as uh, our classic warm-up, but it's perfect because this is one that we use uh, to really kind of tune into each other to get that sound. I mean, it's very, it's very short, but it's very mm -hmm. poignant. It's very beautiful. And it's one that we just feel like, yes, we know that we're on the same page. We have accepted each other's sound. We, this is the piece that mm -hmm. you know, it, it has meaning for us. And then the final one we have is the Chopin Prelude number nine. And for us, this is the one we call the People's Prelude. And it's just so, it's heroic. I feel like you see your hero. He's coming back from battle. He's been through so much. He's, you don't even know if he's gonna make it to the top of the hill, but he's accepted his fate. It is so triumphant mm -hmm. and just a way to, for us to show we've accepted our place in the program. <laughs> yeah. at the yeah. end. This is great. What a well thought out program. This is, <laughs> yeah, I mean that genuinely. Like this is, I think what stage three is definitely all about. Mm -hmm. And there's such a nice variety of music that is recognizable. Mm -hmm. So many people know the Chopin. Uh, but also some new music like the Seeger, or music that'll be new to people like the Seeger, uh, and and probably uh, the Jesualdo is probably unfamiliar to a lot of people mm -hmm. too. So not necessarily mu new music, but new to people, which yes. is one of the one of the features that we try to emphasize in stage three concerts. But also new transcriptions. Also new transcriptions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this concert will be special. We've played part of stage three. We try to go into places that don't typically have concerts. And we've sort of done the typical, not typical places so far, like living rooms and, uh, and galleries. And we had that brewery concert. This time we're going into a furniture store. Have you ever played in a furniture store before? I have not. I've played in a hair salon, but a furniture store will be a first for me. Wow. What I, was the hair salon like? Sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting Well, that. I um, organized a concert that included a cello octet. Um, <laughs> because why not? Do you want to work for stage three? <laughs> um, and uh, we, we had a fun concert in a hair salon. The, the owners loved music, and they cleared out the chairs. We had a concert late one Friday night, and... Had a real good time, New Haven, Connecticut. We we, had, we know how to party in <laughs> New Haven. Awesome. Yeah, that actually does sound pretty good. Yeah. Cool. yeah, no, no furniture stores for me. Have you played in a hair salon or furniture store, Allison? <laughs> no, the best I can say I've done is I've played, um, done a concert in a hardware store, uh, which oh, was fun. Cool. Yeah. And it was a concert of all new music written for a wrenchophone, which is a percussion instrument made out of wrenches. That, is <laughs> that actually sounds really yeah. awesome. Yeah. Is that around here? No, it was in uh, Rochester, New York. We need to bring that to stage oh, three, yeah. season four, I think. <laughs> Two solid ideas. <laughs> well, this one is a furniture store yeah. on 14th Street. Which is a really cool place because I think it was an old warehouse or something. And, you know, it's all concrete inside. It's so resonant and, and beautiful. And we're really lucky that Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams agreed to let us do this. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a really unique thing. And I think... Wind Quintet's going to sound incredible in there. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a really great thing and really looking forward to this one. There won't be a reception or a, uh, anything like that inside the store because of the furniture and everything. Um, but we will be on 14th Street and there are plenty of bars around. So there's definitely places that you can go after the show mm -hmm. or before the show. And they did let us know they're having a flooring show the next day. So there's our show, but then there's a floor show. So there won't be quite as much furniture 
as usual, we think. So plan on standing room, um, just so you all are aware of that. And the concert is, again, concert 2.6. Good grief. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you really want us to say it, but I it's, like saying it It's that better way. that way. Yeah. <laughs> it has an exclamation point. So. <laughs> so good grief with District 5, and that is on Thursday, June 20th at 7.30 p.m. at Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams Furniture Store on 14th Street here in Washington, D.C., so if anyone is interested in attending, we really would love to have you join us. Tickets are available at stagefree.org, and you can also learn more about the concert there and find links to District 5's website so that you can learn more about the ensemble before you come. So, yeah, see you all there.